helping people. Really, anything that makes someone happy is something kind. Kindness is being nice. Kindness is love. Like to play with them, be their friend. If he fell on trip, I would help him out. Kindness is about like asking someone how their day was and yeah. Kindness is if someone is hurt, you can be kind and help them. Kindness is mean that like if someone has a lot of groceries, you go and help them. When someone is being kind to you, you have to be kind to them. Kindness is treat people how you want to be treated. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind! <laughs> well, how about a hand for the Cathedral kids? Aren't they great? Oh, hello, Cathedral family. It's so good to have you here this weekend. We are in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And the topic for the weekend, the kids helped to introduce it. The topic is kindness. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, and what? Kindness. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. What does kindness look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? I read something by one of the minions. He said, when killing them with kindness doesn't work, I've heard that a baseball bat is quite effective. <laughs> I don't know about that, but what is kindness, and, and why does kindness matter so much? Why does it matter so much? Our kids department, they do such a great job, and they actually had an entire campaign on the subject of kindness. And they were teaching the cathedral kids about kindness, and one of the assignments was to go and be kind and then to write what they did down on a piece of paper, and they made this long chain with it. At one time, this chain went all the way around the property. And that was to demonstrate that kindness goes a long ways. That's why kindness is such a very big deal. When you plant a seed of kindness, never underestimate the power of a seed. Now, I don't know what you feel about the idea of purgatory, but I believe that there is such a thing as purgatory because I've been there. It's called junior high. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wow, what a tough place, junior high. You know, there was a, a, a kid in middle school his name was Mark, and one day after school, he saw a kid in front of him trip, and man, just stuff went everywhere, baseball equipment, books, clothes, and so he stopped and helped the kid, you know, get his stuff together, and since they were going the same way, he offered to carry some of the items, and as they walked along, he, he, he found out that the kid's name was Bill, and that, you know, Bill liked video games, and he liked baseball, and he liked history, but he wasn't doing very good at school, and his girlfriend had just broken up with him, and so he was going through a pretty tough time. Well, they got to Bill's house, and they both went inside, and they sat down, had a Coke, watched some TV, talked and laughed, and, and Mark, when he left, he didn't really think that much about it, saw 
saw Bill around school. Every once in a while, they'd have lunch, and they went through middle school, then went to high school. And right before they graduated, Bill asked Mark, he said, hey, could you set aside some time? I'd like to talk to you. So they got together, and and Bill said, do you remember the time when we first met, when I spilled all that stuff, and you helped me up? And Mark said, I sure do. And Bill went on to tell him, he said, did you ever... Did you ever wonder why I had so much stuff that I was carrying that day? He went on to say that he had cleaned out his locker because that day he was planning to take his own life. He had dipped into his mom's sleeping pills and had set some aside. And when he got home that evening, he was going to take all the pills and end his life. But when he ran into Mark, and Mark went home with him, and they sat around and talked and laughed, it was like something ignited on the inside of him. And he looked at Mark, and he said, Mark, when you picked up my books that day, you did a lot more. You saved my life. You never know. You don't. You never know the folks that are next to you. You never know when you plant a seed of kindness, how that seed can become a vine, that vine can become a branch, and that branch can produce fruit. You never know what God can do through the power of a seed. Can somebody say amen? Yeah, let's give God praise, amen. When we plant seeds of kindness... Mother Teresa, she put it this way. She said, be the living expression of God's kindness. Kindness in your face, kindness in your eyes, kindness in your smile, kindness in your warm greeting. You know, the Bible puts it this way in Colossians chapter 3. It says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with what? Kindness. So what's the big idea of the weekend. What time is it? What time is it? What time is it? It's hashtag time to be kind. Time to be kind. Say that with me. Time. What time is the cathedral? It's. What time is it? It's. That's the big idea. You got the sermon. Amen. But let me talk to you for a few more moments about why it's such a big deal. I mean, when you set it in the middle of the fruit of the Spirit, you can understand love, joy, peace, patience, but kindness. You know, what's the big deal about kindness? Why would God put kindness in this list? Well, here are some things to think about. You can find them on your outline. The first idea has to do with this, that when we try a little kindness, it shows who our Father is. It shows who our Father is. There are these commercials that talk about people becoming like their parents. And in one of the commercials, people are sitting around talking about how they're becoming like their father. Watch the screens and you can see it for yourself. Well, like most of you, I just bought a house. Oh, very nice. Now I'm turning into my dad. I text him full sentences. I refer to every child as chief. This hat was free. 
What am I supposed to do, not wear it? Next thing you know, I'm telling strangers defense wins championships. Well, it does. Why right? is the door open? Are we trying to air condition the whole neighborhood? At least I bundled home and auto on an internet website, Progressive.com. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. I mean, why would I replace this? It's not broken. And becoming like your parents, as, as you've gotten older, maybe you can notice you've picked up some tendencies from your earthly parents. Well, whenever you and I demonstrate kindness, you know what we're doing? We're showing who our Father is. We're showing who our Heavenly Father is. That our Heavenly Father is kind, and our kindness is rooted in Him. That we've been made in the image and the likeness of God, and whenever I demonstrate kindness in the world, well, the Bible says this about our God. I love this passage. It says, the Lord is gracious, kind, and tender. He is slow to get angry and full of love. The Lord is good to all. He shows deep concern for everything he has made. The Lord is gracious, kind, and tender. Would you say that with me? The Lord is gracious, kind, and tender. Can we take just a moment and give God praise for his kindness? Amen. What an amazing God we serve. God, thank you for your kindness. So grateful. So grateful. When you hear the words that God is tender and gentle and kind, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but it was a very big deal back in ancient days. The last thing they would think of when it comes to God they didn't believe in the kindness of their gods. They believed that gods were powerful and that gods were angry, but they would never view God as being kind. You know, in ancient days, when they thought about the gods, they thought, well, they would put up signs on their yard that said, beware of God, because if you run into God, all you're going to experience is wrath and anger and power. And then you read the Bible. You come to the God of the Bible and you find these revolutionary words. That God is tender and gentle and kind. And whenever you and I demonstrate kindness in the world, you know, it's showing who our our heavenly father is. I mean, there are some ways, there are some ways that you and I will never be, be like God because we're not God. I am not God. Would you say that with me? I am not God. Let's say it just to make sure we all got it clear today. Everybody, I am not God. Sometimes I think I'm God, but I'm not God. And I will never be all-powerful. I'll never, well, have be all-knowing. I'll never be able to be everywhere at one time. Uh, and I'm not God. But there are other ways that I am like God. God made me in his image and God made me in his likeness. And God set me on this planet to represent him and to demonstrate who he is and what he's really like. And whenever I allow God to produce in me kindness, see the image has been twisted and distorted because of sin, but God takes his spirit and puts it on the inside of us 
so that he can, well, clear up that image and show the world what he is really like. And when you and I are kind to others, the Bible says that God is kind to all. And when you and I are kind to all, Jesus put it this way. He said, I tell you, love your enemies, help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously. Even when we're at our worst, our Father is kind, you be kind. Are you grateful that even at your worst, God was still kind to you, amen? God was still kind to us. And so when we're kind to others, when they're at that wor their worst, when they're not kind to us, Anybody know what I'm talking about? That there are people in your life that they're not exactly the kindest people in the world. But when we're kind to them, it's as if God, well, he makes us in his image and his likeness. He plants the seed of the spirit in us to produce kindness. And then he gives us a sort of, well, family martial arts. Let's call it spiritual jujitsu. Anybody into martial arts? You know, there's something called Japanese jiu-jitsu, and you know, I, I once got into martial arts, and as you can see, it didn't work out so well for me <laughs> at Kung Lee Studio. Glad I kept my day job. But in martial arts, Japanese martial arts called jiu-jitsu, see, normally when someone strikes at you, you strike them back. You, you strike them back. But in jiu-jitsu, it's different. When they strike at you, it's counterintuitive. Instead of striking them back, you use their momentum and their energy to take them down. In fact, jujitsu means soft art. And I was thinking, when someone is not kind to you, instead of not being kind to them, we do a little spiritual jujitsu and we take them down with kindness. We overcome them with kindness. We overpower them with kindness. God works through our kindness. Well, what time is it, Cathedral of Faith? It's time to be kind. You've got the message. But why is it such a big idea? Because our world needs to know who God really is. And when we demonstrate kindness, we show them who our Father is. And then secondly... When we try a little kindness, and this is a little different, what it does is it builds up our emotional bank accounts. Let's think about this for a moment. I asked my grandson if I could borrow this from him. This is a bank. I told him I would fill it up when I gave it back to him. So when you have a bank account, you know how this works. You make deposits and you make withdrawals. And if you make more withdrawals than you make deposits, you get a notice from your bank. That's a not a good place to be. Well, imagine that every important relationship in your life has an emotional bank account. And there are certain things that you do in that relationship. They make deposits. And there are other things that you do. They make withdrawals. I heard about this lady who was so mad at her husband, he forgot their anniversary. Don't you hate when that happens? 
she was so mad at her husband, she said, tomorrow morning when I wake up, there better be something in the driveway which goes zero to 200 in six seconds. And so the next day she woke up, and sure enough, here's a box that's wrapped up sitting in the driveway. She goes out and she opens it up, and there is a brand new bathroom scale. The man has not been seen since that day. There's some things we do, wow, they make big withdrawals out of that bank account. And when that bank account is full, let me tell you, everything in the relationship works better. You know, communication is easier, conflict solving is easier, but when that emotional bank account is empty, everything is harder. Everything is harder. How can we fill up that emotional bank account in our relationship? One of the answers is kindness. The Bible says, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When I'm kind, whether it's in, in big ways or little ways, whenever I'm kind, what I'm doing is I'm making a deposit into that emotional bank account. Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Leaders, he writes, the little kindnesses and courtesies are so important. Small discourtesies, little acts of unkindness, little forms of disrespect make large withdrawals. In relationships, the little things are the big things. Well, is there a relationship in your life where it could use a deposit of kindness. Fill up that bank account. You know, my wife and I, we had a chance to get away for a few days recently. And when I opened up my suitcase, I found a card. I found this card. I mean, think about that. My wife, she had to go buy a card. Then she took the time to write something in the card. And then she hid the card in my suitcase. How cool is that? And so I get the card, I open up the card, and here's what it reads. It says on the outside, it said, if I had to choose you, or if I had to choose again, I would still choose you. Let me say that again. If I had to choose again, I would still choose you. What an amazing wife I have, amen? She is an amazing wife right over here. I mean, that's a miracle. Are you kidding me? If I had to choose again, I would still choose you. After 35 years, that's a miracle. Let me read to you what she wrote on the inside. It starts this way. Ken, each and every day reveals something I can't read anymore. <laughs> Woo! Is it getting warm in here? Oh, you should see what's inside this note. You may look at this and say, well, that's a note. You know what this is? This isn't really a note. This is a deposit into the emotional bank account of our relationship. After 35 years, she still makes deposits into that emotional bank account. Friend, that's the way to build up a relationship. That's why kindness matters so much. Can we give God praise, amen, for the wisdom that we find 
Wow, what time is the Cathedral of Faith? It's Well, you got the message down, but why is it such a big deal? Well, here's another reason, and this is so important. I feel this is so timely, that when we try a little kindness, we bring some softness to what can be a very harsh, bitter, cruel world. You know, the world we live in, it's a broken world, and sometimes that world can be a very bitter world to live in, but whenever we are kind, we take a, a bitter, broken world and we make it a better world. One of the interesting ways this word was used in the first century, the word kind, is in the process of winemaking, when they take wine and they would set it aside and they would age the wine, they would describe the wine in a certain way. They would say it's not harsh anymore, it doesn't have a bitter, biting taste to it, but instead the wine has softened, it's mellowed, they would call wine like that, that it is kind wine. And I was thinking how whenever we are kind, that we give the bitter world a better taste. We see a, a radical example of this in the Bible. There's a king by the name of David, and David shows us what it is to, well, go into a bitter world and make it a better world. Now, David was a king. He was a warrior. And back in that day, the way of the world was this. If you became a king, you eliminated anybody that was a threat to you. If there were people in your family that were a threat, you executed them. If there were people from the former line of kings that were a threat, you would execute every male in their family. It wasn't personal, it was just business. That's the way of the world back then. Everybody did it. And then we read the life of David, and here's this strong warrior king who inserts kindness into a bitter world. And we read this question. David says, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God. Saul was his bitter rival. Saul was the former king who had tried to kill him. And if David was operating according to the way of the world, he would be asking, is there anybody still left in Saul's lineage? Because I need to execute them. But instead... David turns that logic on his head and he says, is there anybody in Saul's household that I can show kindness to? It's revolutionary. And he finds out that there's one grandson and he says, go and send for that grandson. And when the grandson hears about it, the grandson's crippled, living in seclusion. And the grandson on the way to the palace, he knows what's coming. He knows he's gonna get executed because that's just the way business works. It's not personal, it's just business. He's the last male heir that could be a threat to David. And when he arrives at the palace, he's afraid. And then David says to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness and will restore to you all of the land of your grandfather and you shall eat at my table. You shall eat at my table. He was treated like one of the king's sons at the table. Now, what would it look like for us if we 
Every day we started off with a prayer, God, show me today. Is there anybody today that I'll run into that I could show your kindness? Because we do live in a, what can be a broken, bitter world. You know what I'm talking about. And it can just wear you down, wear you out. And just a little bit of kindness in that world. You know, kindness to a coworker who's had a rough day. Or kindness to a daughter who's been bullied at school. Or kindness to a church member who's lost a loved one. Or kindness to a, a homeless person who's down on their luck. I was reading an interview that was done with a, a homeless man. And, and he was saying that in, in his experience, he's just talking about himself. He said for him that the toughest thing about being homeless isn't trying to find a place to live or, or trying to get something to eat or staying warm in the winter. He said the toughest thing for him is that he feels like he's invisible. That when no one looks at you or talks at you, it seems like you don't really exist. And he said feeling invisible was the worst thing for him. And any time you and I when we look at somebody with kind eyes and we let them know, I see you. You're not invisible. You're not invisible to God and you're not invisible to me. Friend, whenever you do that, in fact, maybe this weekend, truth be told, if you and I were having a cup of coffee, wow. Maybe you would say, Ken, just being real, I'm sitting in a large group of people but I'm kind of feeling invisible. Boy, I want you to know, we see you. God sees you. You're not invisible to us, and you're not invisible to God. And I just want to take a moment, and I, I, want, to, I want us to speak that truth to one another. Can you look some, at somebody with kind eyes and with a kind smile and just tell them, I see you today. Go ahead and do that. I see you today. Nobody's invisible, amen? Nobody's invisible. Let's give God praise, amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, God. You see us today. See, what time is the Cathedral of Faith? It's... Boy, see, that's a very big deal. At least just so we hear the word kindness, but do you realize what a big deal kindness is? And the last thing has to do with how we motivate people, how we bring out the best and the, the people we live with or work with or go to school with. That, that kindness really is a way of bringing out the best in others. I was reading this study that was done. Uh, it was with doctors and their staffs and their teams. And they were examining whether rudeness in the doctor's mannerisms, like if he had a rude doctor who treated his staff rudely and who just talked rudely with his staff and created an environment, kind of a nasty work environment, if it had an impact on those who worked. The, the title of the article was, Can Rudeness Kill You? And they found out that if you have a doctor who creates kind of a toxic atmosphere, that it did impact the decision-making of his staff. They made more mistakes and made worse decisions. And the researcher said this way, it said, uh, the researcher said, simple rudeness can have robust implications on medical team collaboration processes and thus on their performance as a team. 
And so the takeaway from that study is make sure you signed up with a kind doctor, amen? But here's another takeaway from that study. How do we motivate people and bring out the best in others? Kindness is a very important part of that. If you're looking to motivate your kids or your coworkers or the other people that you go to school with, kindness is an important tool. There's a, a verse, when I read it, it always, it always blows me away. It goes like this. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that it is his kindness that is intended to turn you from your sin? Let me read that again. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin? Now, the reason why that just blows me away is that's not what I expect to read. I expect to read it's his wrath that turns you away from your sin. Because his wrath can turn you away from his sin, from your sin. But the Bible says it's kindness, it's his kindness that turns you away from your sin. Because his wrath can get you to fear him, but his wrath will never get you to love him. Let me say that again. His wrath may change your behavior on one level, but it will not change your heart. Only his kindness can change your heart and get you to love him. It's the kindness of God that turns us and transforms us from the inside out. And if we take that same kindness, even when we have to be tough with those around us, if we can somehow be kind and catch people doing something right, don't just catch them doing something wrong, catch them doing something right. Your kids, your coworkers, catch them doing something right and compliment them, cheer them on. It's one of the ways we bring out the best in people. Boy, it's time. What time is the Cathedral of Faith? It's Can we give God praise again for the wisdom that we find in his word? As we wrap things up, I want to invite just a friend, him and his wife and their kids are a part of the Cathedral family. And he, he really is. I've met a lot of people. But he's one of the kindest people I ever, have, I've ever met. He embodies kindness. And he took a step of faith many years ago to, well, to demonstrate kindness to our community and never underestimate what God can do through the seed that you plant, the seed of kindness. And I've asked him to come up and share a little bit of the story because we're looking to step up in a very big way. I want you to give him a great big welcome. Would you welcome the founder of the Turkey Trot and the head of the Silicon Valley Leadership Group? Would you welcome Carl Gardino? Carl, come on up, bud. Yeah. Uh, love you, Carl. Thanks so much for who you are and the leadership that you give. And tell us a little bit about the Turkey Trot and how it all got started. Pastor Ken, thank you. And my wife, Leslie, and I and our three children love calling Cathedral of Faith home. Thank you for all that you do. Oh, man, we love you, buddy. Oh. 
In my professional life as CEO of the Silicon Valley Leadership Group, there are times when I have to have very difficult meetings. And this series means so much because for years, before I walk into difficult meetings, I will write in my tablet the nine fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It helps center me before tough meetings to do my best to reflect our God. I, I, last weekend, I took my two little girls to see the 2015 remake of the movie Cinderella. And there's a scene in the movie where after Cinderella is so badly treated by her stepmother and her stepsisters that she relates how she tries to live her wife, her life. Have courage and be kind. For Leslie and I, we wanted to show that kindness by having the courage to take a big risk. And one of those big risks, we're going to roll back the calendar 14 years. It was Thanksgiving morning 2004. And we were awoken on Thanksgiving morning by our clock radio. Do you remember clock radios? Yes. Right, where ours was set on the all-news station, KCBS, and the reporter came on and he said, there are 20,000 people downtown walking and running to help feed the hungry. But here's the kicker. That radio reporter wasn't talking about wealthy Silicon Valley or San Jose. They were talking about the smaller and more modest community of Sacramento. Yet 20,000 people had come together to help feed the hungry. And I turned to my wife, Leslie, that morning, and I said, you know, somebody ought to do that here in Silicon Valley. And she looked at me with that Leslie look and said, well, maybe it ought to be you, fella. <laughs> so we invested the next 365 days trying to put together a Silicon Valley turkey trot. Applied Materials came on as our title sponsor. It felt good two weeks before the race. Great news. We had more than 300 people who had volunteered to help us on race day. 300 to support our athletes. Bad news? We only had 100 people sign up to do the race. <laughs> We had three volunteers for every runner, and it was time to get on our knees before we put on our sneakers and pray, God, please, please help us. And then race morning, manna from heaven. More than 1,500 people who had not registered in advance showed up to join us. We had to delay the race by 21 minutes, scrambling, trying to get everyone registered to do the race. That first year, thank you, that first year, 1,900 paid participants allowed us to give back $132,000 to help needy families. That's awesome. But fast forward 14 years. For the last five years in a row, we have been the largest timed Thanksgiving Day run in the world. Wow, that's fantastic. 
But honestly, our goal was never to be the largest. It was to be the most generous. And in those first 13 years, we've been able to generate and invest in needy families $7.2 million for those first 13 races. And our theme has always been threefold. Health, hunger, and a home. There are 242,000 people in our wealthy valley who have food insecurity today. There are 7,200 people on any given night without a home. And with three young children, it breaks my heart that we have 30,000 school-age kids, K through 12, in Silicon Valley who last year experienced homelessness, slept in cars and under overpasses, shuttled from shelter to shelter. These are the families, these are the children, these are the people that we're trying to bless through our turkey trot. So our goal this year, with our collective help, is mission one million. We want to raise and give away, just from this year's race, one million dollars. And we know we can do it. Now, I have two favorite takeaways every year's race. The first is right here in our Cathedral of Faith family. It's Pastor Wayne. Pastor Wayne, every year, participates in our costume contest. He has come, you saw the picture earlier, he has come as Indiana Jones. He has run the entire 10K with that huge boulder dragging behind him. He, he's run over three of our racers that we've never seen again. He has come as Noah with the ark wrapped around him, as Moses carrying the whole way, the Ten Commandments. It inspires me every year with the creative way he has lived his faith. Thank you. Now, as good as Pastor Wayne, though, looked in last year's shirt, if you want to see what really good looking looks like, this is what Elisa is going to wear with this year's shirt. Because women, we have women's cut as well as men's cut. So you're going you're gonna to sweat in style in this shirt this year. But the second thing that blesses me every year is we stand on this stage, and I want to invite Ken to join me this year at the beginning of the race. And 25,000 folks, as far as the eye can see, building community together, helping people in need, starting our holidays in a fun and healthy way by blessing others. That is what our turkey trot was to be about. And with your help, I'm going to slip out and go to the kiosks. If we get 300 of our Cathedral of Faith family to register this year, we're going to give Cathedral of Faith a big tent in the festival area with 25,000 people coming through with our big Cathedral of Faith banner proclaiming the kindness of our Lord. God bless you. Everybody stand with me, please. Well, what time is it, Cathedral of Faith? It's time to be kind. Would you let Carl know how much you appreciate his leadership and how he lives out his faith, amen?
Bow your heads with me for just a moment. Father, thank you so much for your kindness toward us. We love you. We're so grateful for your kindness. God, I pray that this week you would help us to show our valley what you're really like as we demonstrate your kindness. Lord, let us be little outposts of kindness in the neighborhood where our locker would be an outpost of kindness at school. Our desk would be an outpost of kindness at the office. And it all would point people toward who you are, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Lord, may we see it and demonstrate it this week. In Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, all God's people said, Amen. 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 Let's give God praise for his kindness. Amen.